We're getting started this morning. How, have you ever had a situation where you almost killed somebody on accident? Let's throw in that little caveat, all right? That's a weird way to start Easter. Uh, I'll explain it in a minute. When I was 22 years old, I started pastoring my first church out in the desert in Southern California in a city called Boron, California. And uh, while we were there, I had a little office, and uh, one day, an elderly man, this gentleman would have been in his late 70s, his name was Don, Don Finley. And he came to my office, and uh, he was getting up in age, and he was having some health issues, some health problems. And he came in and asked a really interesting question. He said, uh, he said Pastor Josh, he said, what does the Bible say about how I can know for sure I'm going to heaven? It's a good question, isn't it? So I took out the Bible and I, I showed him what the scriptures say, what the Bible says about how somebody can know for sure based on the scriptures that when you die, you'll spend eternity with God in heaven. Took him to Romans, other passages, and just let the Bible kind of speak for itself. After I explained it to him, I looked him in the eyes. I said, uh, I said Don, is is this something you'd like to do? Would you like to place your faith in Christ for your eternal salvation? He said, I think I would. And right there in my office as a 22-year-old pastor, <laughs> this is 18 years ago now, he bowed his head, he confessed his sin before God, he affirmed his faith in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And according to what the scriptures tell us, he was born again in that moment. <laughs> I remember when he looked up, he got a smile on his face, got this kind of twinkle in his eye. He said, Pastor Josh, he said, I got this confidence that if I were to die right now, I know 100% sure I'd be in heaven with Jesus. Amen. Yeah, Don looked at me, he said, what, what's next? I said, well, that's all you need for salvation, right? There's no works. There's nothing you have to do. You got it. Anything there is to do, it is done. But I said, you know, the Bible kind of talks about this thing called baptism. He said, well, what's that? Well, I said, you, you've already done everything you need to do, but baptism kind of shows all your friends and your family that you believe in Jesus. It's kind of this ritual that Jesus gives us to show the world that, that we're believers, that we've placed our faith in God's son, Jesus Christ. And, and he, said, he said, Pastor, I want to do that. I want to do it. Now, remember, he's older. This is right when I first started pastoring. I hated to tell him this, and I didn't tell him this. I had never baptized anybody before. <laughs> I was brand new to this. I was, I was a rookie pastor, and I wasn't going to show it. I was a little nervous. Well, in that church, it was a little, real small country church, and so we had to use a swimming pool uh, to baptize Don, and, and, and he was having some health conditions. He had a little arthritis, and so he would get a little stiff in the joints, and I remember that Sunday that came along, and I remember my wife was there, and we had a few other families as a part of the church. We're all standing around the pool, and Don starts stepping in, and you could just tell he's a little bit, he's a little bit stiff, you know, and I'd never done this before. I, you know, I figured I'd seen lots of baptism before. How hard it could be. You put him down, you bring him up, you know. Don was a little bit bigger than I was, you know, and so we get down in the pool, 
And I, I say what, you know, pastors are supposed to say. I'd been working on it all week, you know. The, I wanted to sound very clergy-like and everything, so I wanted to say it just right and do all the right things. And, and everything was going really, really well. It really was. I was actually proud of myself. And I'm like, maybe I can do this pastor thing after all, you know. We get down, and I say, hey, and so I say those words, you know, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I go to put him down, and he, you know, he's kind of, he goes down, and then I, I go to say that part where now you're raised to newness in life. And that's where, that's where they're supposed to come up, except the problem when he wasn't coming up. <laughs> he's laying there, I'm, I'm start pulling up on him a little bit. His arthritis had kind of like stiffed up underneath the water. And so about six inches under the water, I can see Don looking at me. I'm looking at Don, Don's looking at me. And he's kind of saying, hey, if you could help me out here, that'd be great. <laughs> I'm looking up, and I look in his eyes, the same little smile, the same little twinkle in his eye that I saw a few weeks earlier in his office, you know, when he said, if I were to die today, I know for sure I'd be, it was the same look he was giving me in that moment right there. <laughs> Finally, I just had to get under the water, and I kind of started pushing him up with my shoulder, and very stiff, you know, he came out, took a big breath, <clears throat> he's like, pastor, thanks for saving me again. <laughs> My friends, baptism is a religious symbol of the resurrection of Jesus. That's what baptism is. And Easter is the day we celebrate that resurrection. That's what this is all about. This is more than about Easter eggs and family brunches. It's more than hiding toys and eggs. What this day represents that Jesus lives in us, that his power and his spirit and his strength pulsates through the veins of believers. And the same things that Jesus did, the Bible declares that we can do also by his grace, his strength, and his power. Our theme for this morning is simply this. Just like Christ rose from the dead, we too, we too, can also rise to live a brand new life. Whatever your past has been, whatever hurts you have been through, whatever betrayal you've experienced, whatever pain you've inflicted, whatever sin, whatever rebellion, whatever stubbornness, I want to declare to you that what if the resurrection of Jesus teaches us anything, it teaches us and it shows us that just like Jesus rose from the dead, we too can rise to live in a brand new life in Jesus. That's the promise of Easter. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter number 24. We're going to do a Bible study this morning, Luke 24. I do want to say, if you're, if you're visiting with us today, we're so glad to have you here. Man, thanks for coming. Happy Easter. I'm so thankful that you chose to worship here with us this morning. We're, we're so glad to have you, your honored guest. And, and, and I hope that if the Lord would lead you, you'd come back and, and worship with us again sometime. I, I will say this. If you are visiting, right there in front of your seat, there's like a little QR code. If you literally just pull out your cell phone and turn on your camera and hold it up 
on that QR code, it'll pop up with all this information about our church. It'll give you details, answer any questions you have. You can put prayer requests there that I'll see personally. Uh, There's also a little thing called a connect card right there. If at some point you wanna fill that out, we'd love to have information about your visit. And what I promise to do is I'll I'll send you just uh, some more information about our church, answer any questions that you have. And we wanna help and serve you in any way that we can, not just on Easter, but like any, any day of the year. And so if that's something you'd like to do, feel, feel free to do that now. We're in Luke chapter number 24. I'm going to start reading in verse number 1, and then I'll read through verse 6. Let me give you some context for that before we dive into it. Jesus, the Bible declares, was God's son. The scriptures tell us that he lived a perfect life, never sinned, never did anything wrong. He lived in, in perfect love toward those around him. At the age of 30, he started a, his ministry where he began to preach and do miracles. And then at 33 years old, he went to a cross. Many of you have seen pictures, maybe movies or TV shows about Jesus dying. The Bible says that he died not just for some political cause. He didn't die just as some type of social martyr. He didn't die because, you know, he had done some horrible, violent crime. Uh, The Bible declares that ultimately the reason he died is to take the consequences and the punishment of our guilt and our shame and our hurts. And he died to take all that upon himself so you wouldn't have to carry it through your life. And then he went to the tomb. He went to the grave. And everybody who followed him was confused. Jesus was supposed to be the new Messiah. He was supposed to be the king who was going to reign over us in peace. He was going to reign over us with love and justice. And now his followers are confused because this Jesus, this one they had put all their hopes in, was now lying dead in a tomb. And all of his followers are now just utterly confused. Most scholars believe this happened on a Friday and it comes to Sunday now. If you're physically able, I want to invite you to stand. We're going to read from the sacred text this morning. The Bible says in verse number one of Luke chapter number 24, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women, there were some disciples, some followers of Jesus who were also women who loved him dearly, took spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. After people had been dead, they start to stink and these women were gonna make sure his body didn't stink. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the the women bowed down their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, what do these angels say to these women? I love this. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He's risen. I want to preach this message today simply entitled, Rise. 
Because the power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that you have been given in Christ. And as Christ rose, you have the power to rise to rise above your hurts, to rise above your pains, to rise above your addictions, to rise above everything that is seeking to pull you down. By God's power, you can transcend, you can rise, you can move above it by the power of Christ. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll walk through this study this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, you know I need you. I don't know if there's ever been a time, Lord, where I have been more desperate. For your strength. More desperate, Lord, that you would do through me what I am very much aware. I cannot do through myself. I don't stand up here as an expert, Lord. I don't stand up here as somebody who has it all figured out. Lord, I stand up here broken. Simply trying this help. So God, do what you need to do this morning. Do in my heart what needs to be done. And God, I pray that you would do in the hearts of these people what need to be done. And may this be a glorious celebration of life, of power, and of miracles. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, and you may be seated. I want to do something a little bit different this morning. Today, we're going to look at several people's story from Fresno Church. I want to introduce them to you. These are people who have stories like you have stories. They have struggles like you have struggles. They've experienced pain and heartbreak like you have experienced pain and heartbreak. And yet these people have seen God do some incredible things in their hearts and lives. And we're going to show a few videos because we want you to hear their stories as they come and they, in a few moments, are going to identify with Christ in believer's baptism. And we're going to see today how the resurrection of Jesus Christ has allowed them to rise above addictions, has allowed them to rise above fear, and allowed them to rise above hurt. So growing up, I was raised fortunately to, to grow up in a God-fearing, God-loving and worshiping family. Uh, my parents kind of made a switch from a more religious system to a more, I mean, it was just straight up Bible-based, uh, Bible preaching and then worship music. I mean, it, it was, that was it. There was nothing extra and so that was super cool. So that was when they really grew um, in their relationship with God and then in turn, it just led to what they taught us and how they raised us to change and develop. So then when I got to college, that was when my faith really grew. If I could pick one period of time in my life that um, I felt I got 
closest in my walk with the Lord, it was definitely in college. Coolest part of college was I, I met my wife there. So she had come into the United States from South Korea when she was a junior in high school in Florida. Somehow ended up uh, going from Florida to Wisconsin. I have no idea how, but super thankful. And with that, uh, so we met in college, we were living in the same dorm uh, through a mutual friend. The mutual friend was like, hey, uh, you're checking out InterVarsity, let me introduce you to Jake. He's the, the chapter president, you'd be attending his Bible study. So we met that way, um, dated for a couple years, and then got engaged and ultimately married uh, February of 2020, so. I mean, for me, it was more about like, okay, Sunday, is a, it's time to dedicate to God, and then the rest of the week, you kind of do your own thing. Um, and I've always considered that to be more of like, I did my work, I put my work in, I'm good, or, you know, I'll get right with God on Sunday. Um, it was more of that mindset and it was more of just like a, like a family habit. I never really actually thought about it, but it was just more of a, like a tradition, you know, Sundays we do this and that's kind of how um, it, I kind of grew up like that. Um, but also, you know, it wasn't until later on that, you know, I actually started really thinking about my own salvation, like deeply um, and what, what that really means. And that's kind of what also like brought me into me wanting to be in church, but not, not just in the physical building, but part of the church and really connecting with, with everybody here and growing in the body of Christ. We moved from the Bay Area here and my, my journey, my faith journey kind of started um, after we moved. And so um, once we moved here, um, I didn't really have any experience with going to church. Like, like I said, I've been to like a Catholic church, but that's way different than what I've experienced here. And um, I was nervous kind of going into this. I wasn't sure. I think at that time it was early stages of uh, my faith journey. So I really wasn't sure what to expect. I started off in the care of my biological mother, um, but because of certain things happening, uh, my father and stepmom uh, took custody of my brother and I when we were in eighth grade. And then it started to be, I guess, more about of a Catholic type of uh, religion practice in our household. Um, they signed us up for all the stuff, and I, I think that's when a lot of seeds started being planted. But at that time, it was sort of just kind of a checking the box type of uh, religion. And, and to me is how I felt about it. And um, it, we didn't really keep it up for too long. Uh, uh, and then after high school, you know, I don't really think that it led to me having a very close relationship to Christ. So um, I'm not really sure what to make of it, but that's how it was then. I know some of you are so ashamed. You carry such guilt from your past. But you're loved. You're accepted. In Christ, you're forgiven. And there's grace and mercy available to you. You, you can't outrun the love of God. The Bible tells us, you've heard the verse before in John chapter number three and verse 16, that God 
so loved the world, that's all of you, everyone, that he gave. What did he give? He gave that which was most precious to him. He gave that which was most priceless. He gave that which was most worthy. He gave his very son, Jesus Christ, sacrificed him so that you could live. Why? Because he loves you. I'm afraid that there's maybe some people in this room who've never truly felt loved. You've never felt fully accepted by your family. But I want to say God accepts you. You've never felt fully received by your spouse. And yet Jesus receives you. He loves you. He adores you. And guess what? He even likes you. You're loved. Though we're incomplete, and the reality is, I think all of us would admit that we, we don't have it all together. The reality is, though we are incomplete, God loves us completely. And though we're imperfect, He loves us perfectly. And though we are broken, He loves us fully. My friends, you are loved by God. You're accepted. You're adored. I know there's not tons of love all the time to be experienced in the world in which we live, but I want you to know this and I want to declare this over you. You're loved in Christ. You're received in Him. You're adored in him, and when it feels like family's rejecting and spouses are rejecting and parents are rejecting or children are rejecting, when coworkers are rejecting, when neighbors are rejecting, I want to say there's one who accepts you as you are because you're loved. See, God loves us. And just as we saw a moment ago that everybody has a story, and God loves everybody. The reality is that people's stories often involve difficulties. Uh, people's stories often involve troubles. They, they often involve pain. And, and so I want to just take a moment and let's, let's keep watching here for a moment these people's stories unfold as we get to know a little bit more about them. In the months leading up to my wife and I's, uh, I guess, journey to California and to this church specifically, we were living in Wisconsin at the time. A uh, lot going on once COVID hit. So we got married in February, applied for the green card right away. Uh, of course, with COVID, everything was backed up to include the green card process. So with that, ultimately, uh, she had to resign from her teaching job. She had a sweet gig as a middle and high school uh, orchestra teacher. And my company cut commission temporarily as a salesman, that's, that's big, right? So we hadn't even started praying or looking yet, but we were just kind of at the discussion phase. So we were like, okay, is this the time? Should we be looking for something else? I mean, before actually coming to, to Fresno Church, or I mean, just to be part of any, uh, coming to Christ, I should say, um, I had a lot of doubts. 
Me personally, I wanted to live the way I wanted to live, do what I wanted to do. And, and coming in, the idea of, you know, oh God or Christ is, is always been on the back burner. You know, like, oh, I'll get it when I'm, you know, close to that age or it's time to maybe do that. Um, it was just like full of vanity, full of sin. It was very self-centered, only what I wanted to do. Um, and all those doubts had led me to question and really look into for myself what, what the truth is. And it wasn't until possibly maybe about two years ago where I really came to the conclusion that Christ truly, really is the way, He is the truth. Um, and that has basically changed my, transformed my entire heart and my whole perspective on life. Um, and it's really led me to me to become part of something more. Um, I'm really excited to grow in my faith. Um, it's the past year that we've been coming to church. It's actually been, it's created the sense of peace and hope in me that, you know, just trusting in Jesus to provide and to be the provider and that he's really solely, like, he's really all that I need has been um, really uplifting when life can be difficult at times and so you know in our marriage I know we had a little bit of our you know ups and downs um, and there are times where I feel like you know Christ brought us together for a reason and that we're here for a reason and he basically did lead me into Christ like um, in our marriage he was the one that led me to find Christ and I think that's the greatest gift you know knowing that the greatest gift of salvation and that he had given this to me and that I've discovered this for myself before I started coming to the church I was going religiously about three times a day to Alcoholics Anonymous because I was uh, very very sick as in drinking vodka trying to trying to end it really i was drinking so much that it it even baffled me i never thought that it would become a problem like that and uh that's where i was i was going to aa and uh, i wasn't even working i was coasting off of what little savings i had and unemployment money just to be able to you know, just a phone and go to AA because I was trying to stay alive, I guess. I knew, I know now that that's what that was. And I, that led me to Fresno Church. And uh, that's because I, I realized then that it was God the whole time and He was with me. He never let me go. If you've been on this planet for any length of time, you have regrets. Every single one of us have a past. Things we wish we could do over. Things we wish we could change. Things we wish weren't so. And yet the reality is without sin, there could be no grace. Without brokenness, there can be no forgiveness. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he died. 
Jesus died to take the weight of your guilt. He died to take the weight of your shame. He, he died to take the weight of your sin upon himself. And, and that brings us to our next thought today. Not only did God love us, but I want you to see second of all today that God died for us. He died for us. You say, wait a second, I thought, I thought you said that, I thought you said that Jesus died. Well, the Bible declares that Jesus is God. That's, that's what the Bible teaches. And Romans chapter number five, verse eight says this, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ loved and died for us. Don't you love the fact that he didn't wait for you to clean your life up before he started loving you? I hear that all the time. Well, pastor, once I get it all squared away and once I get my life all fixed up and once I get all the, all everything together, uh, then, then, I'll, then I'll reach out to God. Can I say this? It's God is the only way you can get everything together. It's like saying, well, once I get really strong and once I get big muscles and once I really start working out, then I'll go to the gym. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, that's why you go to the gym. You see, God died for us so that he could take everything that's holding us back and take it upon himself so you could rise. Someone said it this way, his love will literally take your breath away because it took his breath away first. You see, what baptism is, it's, it's more than a ritual. It's more than just something we do at church. You see, that person who is being baptized, think about it for a moment, they stand there in the water, and the water in their body makes the symbol of a cross. As they stand there, it represents Christ's life that was lived in perfection. And then when they are placed under the water, it represents his death and his burial. And then when we pull them out of the water, it represents Christ's resurrection. It's a picture of what Jesus did for us. He lived, he died, he was buried, and then he rose. That is what baptism symbolizes. And so as people, when they come and they get baptized, they are identifying, they are saying that I identify with Jesus, that his life is my life, and that my sin is, is hit on him. And my guilt is on him and my shame is on him and my past is on him. My regret is on him. So now I can rise to live a brand new life. Free from past, free from guilt, free from shame. Why that is why Christ died. And as we've been watching these stories, we've seen how they've been through some stuff and they've experienced some things. But now I want you to notice how how their lives have been dramatically impacted by the life of Jesus. I definitely felt connected. I felt this was a great opportunity for me to just be a part of something much bigger and you know, work on my relationship with Christ and just go grow with the church stronger. I mean, ever since really coming out to church, um, I've got an opportunity to 
get to new, know people because the church offered uh, so many like different programs where I can actually connect and build these uh, friendships um, that are, I call them genuine friendships, not just uh, church people or church family, but they're genuinely friends that we go out of our own way outside of the church to, you know, sit down, maybe have a cup of coffee and just kind of hang out. and and. It's like this, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the guys, you kind of feel this camaraderie, this, this brotherly love uh, for the church. And for me, it's really, it's really strained my faith in the church. Um, it's, it's definitely a lot of reassurance um, and knowing that, you know, the body of Christ is, is very much alive. It is very, very strong. And, you know, having the opportunity to, to make these friendships within the church, whether it be a connection group or some sort of event, um, but that has allowed me to just kind of grow and I felt very, very connected. I'm just so happy to be here. Everyone here has been really welcoming. Um, the environment here, everyone's just, you know, greeting you, making you feel comfortable, and so making you feel like family. And so I really enjoyed that experience and then learning and getting to know people here at the church, like joining the connection groups and just kind of meeting with everyone one-on-one -on -one as well. My youth or worship pastor in Wisconsin was like, hey, you guys are moving to Fresno? I was roommates with uh, this guy, Pastor Josh. He, he's the pastor of Fresno Church. You gotta check it out. They're doing great things in the community, solid Bible preaching church. And so we were like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll do that when we get there. So uh, we move, our plan then was to look at a couple of churches um, and kind of pray about it and see what, you know, what, what would be a good spot for us and where does God have us. So first we were like, let's check out Fresno Church. So we, we started online. Um, that first week we watched online and we were just really drawn to it. Um, solid Bible preaching message. Uh, it seemed like great worship, just trying to praise God. Um, and then we were like, hey, there's people in person. Awesome, Let, let's go in person the next week. So the next week we actually went in person. Everybody was so welcoming. Um, I just remember we got in the car and on our way home we were like, both at the same point. I, I brought it up and I was like, I know we mentioned uh, checking out a couple of churches and figuring out from there, but I'm good staying here if you are. And she said the exact same thing and we haven't stopped coming since. In church, I started to realize that I'm not an alcoholic. I'm saved and that's it. And he took the compulsion away. And I'm just in awe of it. And then ever since I started coming to the church, my relationships with others has become, just has God there. And it makes me feel like it'll be okay because I'm not in the way anymore and I can see it. See my friends, Jesus didn't just die. He didn't just go to the grave and that was the end of the story. The Bible declares that Jesus rose and in rising, he also gives us the power to rise in newness of life as well, which brings us to our final thought this morning. Not only did Jesus live for us and not only did he die for us, but I want you to see this. Lastly, God lives for us too. He rose for every individual to prove that we too can also rise to new life in Christ. That's what Galatians chapter number two, verse 20 says. It says, not I, but Christ now lives in me.
The Apostle Paul, one of the ancient writers of the scripture, he said this, he said, he said, he said God, in a prayer, he says, I, I want to know you. And he, and he says this, is interesting to me. He says, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. He said, the same power that rose you from the dead. He says, that's the power that I want to experience. That's the power that I want to know. That's the power that I want to enjoy. And then he goes on and says something very, very interesting. And he says, and I want to know fellowship of your suffering. Because all of us, all of us want to experience the power of resurrection but we don't want to experience the pain and suffering of death and so Paul cries out he says God I want to see you resurrect something new in me and I understand that in order to come out of the grave I've got to be willing to walk to the cross It's through the cross and the sacrifice that we in turn get to experience resurrection. Resurrection in our own souls. Resurrected to walk in newness of life. Resurrection in our marriages. Resurrection with our health. Resurrection with our future because we're willing to be in fellowship with his suffering so that we can know the power of his resurrection. My friends, the fact that he really rose makes it possible for us to truly live. Yes. And not just live a life of monotony, but to live a life more abundantly, experiencing every ounce of the fruit of the Spirit that we might know him and the power of his resurrection. And because Christ has risen, we now have access to that same power to rise above our temptations, to rise above our addiction, to rise above our sin, to rise above our past, to rise above our circumstances, our hurts, our fears, our betrayals, to rise above and live as God Hallelujah. destines us to live. That is the promise of Easter. That's the promise he makes available to you. So as we wrap this up, I want you to look at how these people's stories and how they're responding to all that Jesus has done for them. As a Christian, I do believe that Jesus is God. He died on the cross for me, um, and he resurrected and proving that he is God. I place all my faith in Christ alone. I mean, over time, I have had to learn that there really is nothing that I can do to save myself. Uh, there's really nothing in me, you know, on my best day, you know, even if it's, I live my life like that, it's, it's still not enough. Um, and so I place my faith in the work that He has done for me on the cross. As a Christian, I believe that Jesus died for me and the magnitude of His sacrifice is something that, you know, I'm still trying to comprehend that He is willing to sacrifice Himself to pay for our sins because He wants, you know, He wants us to live with Him, to be with Him. And so I truly believe that, you know, He rose again 
And I'm just so grateful that he offered this sacrifice for us so that we can live eternally with him. Well, my wife and I are very excited to be baptized. It was kind of funny how it ended up being us both, but also such a cool thing uh, to, to go through together. I had water sprinkled on me as a Presbyterian baby. I thought that was baptism for a long time. And then just as time went on and on, you know, at that point I'm in high school and I haven't actually been baptized. And then I'm in college and I haven't actually been baptized. And I think by then it was definitely um, pride and, and embarrassment because it's like just these thoughts of, if I do this now, people are going to think I'm I'm a, I'm a you know newly saved Christian, and and so what if they do? It's stupid to think about it. But that was really where I was at. It, it was the pride and it was the embarrassment. And to be honest, um, a little bit of that's going on now. You know, as I as I'm getting ready to be baptized for the first time, it's super exciting. But also I, I have those those thoughts, and so just you know recognizing that that's not of that's not of God. But yeah, so ultimately the reason I, I wanted to get baptized was after talking with Pastor Josh, you know, and, and kind of realizing I've never truly been baptized and I've been putting it off for so long, I, this is something that I feel I need to do and to declare um, to the church and, and to the world and to my family and everyone. So, um, and with that, my wife, um, Nayoung, a similar thing, except she did go through with the baptism. There was a certain age in, in Korea where if you were part of that church, once you hit this age, you get baptized is what you do. And so just after that discussion with Pastor Josh and, and with her, she kind of realized and, and had the same thoughts and feeling, I also didn't do it for the right reason and, and feel called to do that now. And so it's so cool, the timing of it, that we get to go through with that together. I firmly believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He was perfect. Uh, God gave His Son to die on the cross and on that took our sins and, and simply by placing our faith and trust in Him, uh, we have salvation. And, and the Bible is God's Word and so to look to that, not, not outside things or you know, add-ons or anything like that. that. That is truly what I believe and what I place my faith in um, for salvation. As a Christian, I believe that God sent His only begotten Son to come and die for me and that He died on the cross for my sin, and that paid for my sin, and that He was resurrected, and that through His precious blood and nothing else, that that saves me. I have a close relationship with someone who never goes away. And for me, it's so big because now that I'm a Christian who's saved by God, the old me is dead and there's a metamorphosis to be raised from, from the dead that's so, so big to me because like, I feel like it all makes sense in a perfect way. Like it was supposed to happen exactly like this and this is exactly where I'm supposed to be now. And I'm finally home. Guys, salvation's more than just about religion, all right? Religion is all about what you do to try to get to God. That's the definition of religion. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity, it doesn't say do this and do that and do those things so you can get your way to God. Christianity says Jesus came down to you to do what you couldn't do for yourself so he could pull you up to where he is. That's the difference. Religion says do, 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 and the cross 
cross says, done, 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 done. It's finished. And that's what we see in the gospel. This isn't religion. This is relationship with the Spirit of God. And so in a moment, we're gonna see some folks who are gonna identify with the power of Christ's resurrection. These aren't people who are playing games. They're not walking a walk and playing. A, these are people whose lives have been radically transformed by the Spirit of God doing something in them that they tried for years and years and years to do for themselves what they couldn't. And then he did. Oh, my friends, that's what this is all about. This is not about dead religion. This is not about coming to church. This is not about being a good person. See, churches and religion will say, you know, do better. Do better. Do better. And Christianity says you can't. So let Jesus do it for you. And as Jesus hung on the cross, his very last words were, it is finished. Amen. What's Hallelujah. finished? Everything, everything needed for your salvation is done. And you don't have to add anything else to it. It's finished. If you're here today and you've not experienced the power of new life, Maybe you've walked the steps of dead religion. Maybe you've been in institutions that say, do this and do that and do those things. But you've never had a relationship with God that empowers, that strengthens. And today can be that day where you receive the spirit of Christ. You say, how? The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Saved from your past guilt, saved from your past shame, saved from your past sin. And Christ, his power will come and do in you what you just can't do on your own. That's, that's what's offered. And so I ask you today, is there anything that would keep you is there anything that would keep you from placing your faith and trust in the spirit of Jesus? To say, I know, I know I can't. I know Jesus did for me and I believe his, he loves me. He died for me and now he wants to live through me. And I'm placing my faith on that reality for new life. The Bible says if you'll place your faith in that reality, you can be saved. You can rise to walk in newness of life. And that's the promise that we have. In just a moment, some of the folks that you saw in the video are going to identify with Christ in believer's baptism. And I hope that as these folks get baptized, you'll rejoice with us over what God's doing and will continue to do in their lives and all of our lives. Let's pray and ask God to bless this baptism. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these that are going to be baptized here today. Lord, we understand that this baptism doesn't save them. There's nothing special or magical or extra holy that is going to get them a ticket to heaven. It's not going to make you love them anymore. They are just, they are just declaring symbolically that they love you. And they're committing their lives to you. 
Lord, I ask and I pray that we would be a people Lord, who would love you with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, and with all of our minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.